Not a scary one, but it was definitely pretty awesome to me. I saw fresh deer signs going into this meadow through some aspen when I was out for an early morning hike. I approached the clearing from downwind and made my way toward it almost imperceptibly slow. The grass in the clearing was ridiculously tall and lush and covered in cool dew, and I could see why the deer would have found this so attractive on a summer morning. I made my way into the grass and got near into the middle when I saw a six-point buck come out from behind some trees on the other side. He looked at me for a minute and knocked his antlers a little bit against a tree. I didn't want to get him riled, so I lowered myself into the grass. When I did that, the whole herd of does quietly stood up all around me. They were bedded in the grass, and I couldn't see them. They didn't seem spooked at all, and just lazily started to make their way out of the clearing. A small doe strolled by so close, in fact, that I almost wanted to touch her. Just a really serene and beautiful sight. Last year, I was on an outward-bound trip in the Rockies on a 14-day expedition. In case you guys aren't hip to the outward-bound course, there is a solo about three-quarters the way through the trip, which is pretty much you're in your own area out of eyeshot and hearing range of other group members for a set amount of time. This expedition had a two-day one, so on day 11 or so we stopped to do ours. Mind you, this is a nine-day hike from the closest base camp, and we went about a mile off the rugged trail we were taking to set up. I woke up on the second day of the solo and looked out of my tarp and saw a guy about 20 feet away in a solid cherry red hoodie with the hood draw strings fully pulled so his face was entirely covered. I figured this was one of the instructors because they go around sometime on the second day to check on us, so I waved at him and smiled. He then took off uphill and I lost sight in the trees. Come the next day when we are all back and talking about it, I asked which of the instructors had the red hoodie. Turns out neither of them did. There was a man 10,000 feet up a mountain in the middle of the woods who walked by me sleeping in a tent. It had potential to go pretty awry. Not my story, but one my family has shared with me as they are close with one of our fellow reservation officers. My uncle, a police officer on the Navajo reservation, was out in his squad car patrolling the area when he comes across something moving in the shadows of the mesa. He slowed down to get a better look at what was out during patrol hours, and what emerged from the shadows was not any kind of animal my family has seen before. It stood on its hind legs just like a man, but its body resembled that of a canine. It had long arms that dragged along the ground as it walked towards my uncle's patrol vehicle. The strangest part about this creature were its eyes. They were just these large yellow orbs, and they glowed in the complete darkness with no additional light sources around. My uncle described these orbs similar to headlights while looking at them head-on. At first, he thought he might have come across some sort of demon, so he quickly checked his weapons, firing at this creature. The gunfire did nothing to stop this thing's progression. It continued its steady march towards my uncle, unfazed by blunt force or loss of blood. It took several more shots until the creature slumped over and disappeared from view in a cloud of dust. 
My uncle got out of his car cautiously, gun drawn, but could find no sign of the thing he had tried to kill. Only some large canine tracks leading back up onto the mesa where it stood before continuing into a cave that supposedly had been closed off for safety reasons due to a large rock slide decades ago. He continued to search but found nothing. The next day, my uncle went back to the area and noticed a small patch of gravel where he had shot this creature. The only explanation for this is that the thing dragged out the rocks from its chest and took them back with it to its den in order to use these rocks to somehow patch itself up. As of now, my uncle has since been suspended from his job for misconduct and due to firing his weapon without authorization while on duty. He claims he saw a skinwalker, and I believe him, especially after what happened in New Mexico. Even if there isn't much we can do about it now, they're practically extinct. If you read this, Please help us by getting rid of all these things before everybody starts trying to go out and find these things themselves. The world needs much less of these creatures, not more of them. As soon as I turned 18, my parents demanded that I got a job. When three months passed, I was still unemployed. They went out and did it for me. I got hired at my family's ranger business, supplied places with rangers, and we'd go out and protect the park for however long the ranger's owners could pay. I started in early winter, I was cold all the time. The job I was working at did not start until about 9 at night, or at least my shift didn't. I had to work until 9 in the morning, 12 hours, 5 days a week. The pay was alright. It was my first day at a new park, a ski resort, and they had hired rangers to act as security. We weren't really as qualified, but my family didn't have the greatest moral compass, so to speak. I started my shift. I talked with the little guy at the front and said it was slow, not much happening. I was glad to hear this, sitting inside and doing nothing for 12 hours. That's what I'd normally be doing anyway. I went inside and met the guy I'd be working with. We'll call him Freddy. He was reading the paper and drinking coffee. First day, he'd asked. Well, I never worked at this place before, but I've been working with Tony for quite a while. It's a good business, I trust him. He responded with a little chuckle and went back to sipping his coffee. Nothing happened for a couple of hours. We sat back and relaxed, talked about our lives, and even got into a funny conversation about my uncle. About three hours in, we heard a loud banging at the door. Freddy got up to open it. There was nothing there aside from a trail in the snow leading to the door. There wasn't much we could think about it, maybe a bird or an animal, and I don't know, Freddy said, getting back to his seat. I thought it was a bit weird for a bird to slam into the door fast enough to make a bang that loud and still somehow get back up and walk out of sight. I didn't say anything, I just shrugged, whatever. After even more sitting and talking, Freddy got up and said that he was going to go use the bathroom. He jokingly asked if I could hold down the fort, then went outside to use the restroom. I leaned back in my chair, quietly singing a Billy Joel song that had been stuck in my head. When Freddy basically kicked the door in, holding his hand, it was cut up and bleeding badly. I did not think to ask questions, so I shot up, ran to the first aid cabinet, grabbed the wrap, 
and put it around his arm. What happened out there? I'd asked him. He looked at my eyes and opened his mouth. There was another super loud bang on the door. I rushed to the door and locked it. I didn't know what was out there, but I did not feel like waiting for it to realize the door was open. Freddy was screaming in pain. I wrapped his wounds, but it wouldn't keep up forever. I went over to the phone. I picked it up. It called an ambulance. I explained that something attacked my co-worker. They asked what. I told them I don't know, and they gave me a half-assed, we'll send somebody, and I hung up. They asked to stay on the line with them, but I didn't see how that would stop Freddy from bleeding out. Freddy slumped down, leaning against the table in the room. I slapped his face slightly to keep him awake. Freddy, who did this? He cleaned his eyes and couldn't be bothered to keep his head anymore. He was out. His cut was worse than I thought, and the ambulance needed to come very quickly. As I put a blanket on him, another loud bang at the window made me jump. I looked back and there was a bloody hand on the window. It was a man, and he was begging to be let in. I ran over to the door and unlocked it. I went to the side where he was at, and I didn't see him. Did he run around? I looked down and my jaw dropped. Right where he was standing was a trail of blood in the snow, going around the wall. I broke out of my shock, turning the corner, and there were the culprits and just one wolf. But I knew he wasn't the only one there. We both stood there, looking at each other. He snarled and I gulped. I knew the time it took me to get to the door was a lot less than it took him to get to me. I didn't want to risk it, just in case. I kept standing there. He took a step back. Maybe he's leaving, I thought to calm myself down. But he did not leave. He took a step back and howled, and knowing what was coming, I ran to the door. He stopped. He lunged, biting into the flesh of my leg. I screamed out in pain, but at least he wasn't calling the others back. Or so I thought. He started to tear flesh, and I foolishly attempted to shake him off. He was on there tight, ripping. I tried to push him off, but his teeth only sunk in deeper. Now I'd put my right hand between my leg and the roof of his mouth, prying his teeth. I limped inside, slamming the door shut. I could see him, these loud bone noises popping, and seeing him now stand up on two legs, looking at me through the door. How I was lucky I had survived. I wasn't sure what to do. I was bleeding out pretty bad, and the only gun I had was in my jeep that was left outside. That's when I saw more of these things. They were upright walking wolves, and they were pacing around this place, moving back and forth, looking in the windows, waiting for one of us to come out. I sat there next to Freddy, holding him, holding myself, trying to keep myself conscious. I was bleeding pretty bad, and these things were out there. I counted at least three of them, three of the largest wolves I'd ever seen in my life. What was going on? As I remember things starting to fade, I couldn't tell you what happened next, but the door burst open and several EMTs rushed in, attending to myself and Freddy. They loaded me up on a stretcher, threw me in the ambulance, and the next thing I know, I'm being patched up. After this, I never heard from Freddy again, and I was quickly removed from that location and reassigned to a different one altogether. I was told nothing. 
I was not allowed to ask questions, and even now, I live with a nightmare. A nightmare of strange, violent wolves. And had I not made it back inside, I would have been torn to pieces. Well, about three years ago, I went out with a friend on his yacht off the coast of Newfoundland. It was around maybe two or three in the morning in early fall, so there was a bit of fog, nothing too serious. We were just going out for a late night cruise to relax and see if we could find any cool fish inverts etc. near the surface. After an hour or so of uneventful yachting, we decided to call it a night and turn around. As we started heading back to shore, behind us we noticed a dim red light in the distant fog. We slowed down to watch it. It was slowly blinking, which stopped us from noticing that it was creeping towards us. We went inside to grab my friend's camera, and when we came back it's seriously closer and moving quicker too. We could now hear the hall groaning as if it was under pretty heavy tension. We took a picture with flash and the light stopped blinking. The ship started to speed up so my friend got on the radio, not too familiar with how the system works. So fill in the blanks here experts and started trying to find a wavelength they were on so he could tell them to slow down and go around us. When we came out of the cabin, it was basically right upon us. Like less than 10 feet away, this huge rusty ship with a red light on the nose. Next thing we know, it's hours later and we're waking up to sunrise. The yacht had been drifting freely for hours with the engines still off. Our cameras were gone, as was my cell phone my friend's was a shitty cameraless phone. We reported it to the police, but they laughed us off as two young guys who got too drunk and couldn't handle ourselves out there. We weren't drinking though, so we know something happened. I lived alone in an old house and had a creepy stay. Again, the house was old, a huge house built in 1915 and converted into apartments for World War I soldiers before they went overseas. I rented one apartment about 1,000 square feet by itself, and the rest of the house was empty rooms and a giant staircase. As soon as I moved in, I met the next-door neighbor, Rebecca, who about 30 seconds into the conversation asked me if I knew the house was haunted. I laughed it off, but she insisted it wasn't safe. Wasn't worried, moved in, cleaned out a lot of junk, and fixed the place up as well as I could. Over the next few months, Rebecca and I ran into each other here and there, and each time she added to the story. Apparently, there was an old lady who lived in the apartment before me who never left, never opened the windows, and never cleaned. She died in the apartment, and there was an estate sale to get rid of some of her stuff. Rebecca told me during the estate sale she had gone into the basement and regretted it. About a week later, I decided to go check out the basement, I think partly to prove to myself I wasn't concerned. I was also curious. I'm not superstitious and I don't believe in ghosts, but the occult is interesting to me. As soon as I stepped in the basement, I was creeped out. It smelled musty, but not like I have ever smelled before. Along the steps, there were burned-down candles that made bluish-gray wax puddles. The basement itself had two huge water heater tanks also covered in wax, and an empty concrete floor behind the tanks that had nasty-looking towels around and more candles. 
Bizarre, but not haunted. At this point, I've lived in the apartment by myself for about three months without any problem. My car got broken into one night, but that wasn't surprising given the neighborhood. Nothing strange had happened until the night I checked the basement. At 4 a.m., I bolted awake because I heard something in my room. This was odd for me because I sleep like a dead man. Sat in bed for a minute, heard nothing, and went back to sleep. Around 6 a.m., I had a night terror. Heard the noise again and woke up, but this time had sleep paralysis. I saw a black figure walk in my room and stop just inside the doorway. At this point, I think it's a robber, and I start trying to ask what he wants, but I can't speak or move. Nothing like this had ever happened to me before, and I was terrified. After the longest two, three minutes of my life, I willed myself out of sleep, and the whole atmosphere changed. No one was there. Nothing was out of place. No locks were broken. Nothing. I quickly got ready and showed up at work two hours before it opened. Over the next few weeks, I would hear the sound again here and there. It was a scratching and thumping sound, always very early in the morning. As soon as I would wake up, it would stop. Then one morning, it was especially loud. Still dark outside, 5 a.m., I heard it just behind the headboard of my bed. This time, I made sure I was totally awake. I laid perfectly still and didn't even breathe, and I heard it again, now fully awake. There was definitely something in my room. After the sleep paralysis imaginary robber episode, I had bought a kid's baseball bat and set it next to my bed for self-defense, can't afford a gun. I picked up the bat and slid out of bed. Every minute or so, I would hear the rusting, scratching, thumping noise. It was in my closet. I stood outside the door and my heart was pounding at this point. All the stories of the place being haunted, the creepy basement, the sleep paralysis episode, the weird early morning noises, all of it had built up in my mind and led to this moment. I was about to do battle with some evil force. I threw the door open and swung into the darkness, hitting nothing. I beat my clothes like a madman, but there was nothing in there. Then I heard a little scurry on the floor and saw something jump into one of my shoes. Upon closer inspection, it was a baby squirrel. I went outside later and found a hole in the roof. There was a family of squirrels living in my ceiling that was very active in the early morning, and one of the babies had somehow managed to find its way into my closet to scare the hell out of me. Not haunted, just squirrels. This happened around three years ago, and thinking about it still makes me feel uneasy. I live in a rural area surrounded by a nature conservation area. There are many nice paths, and it's a great peaceful and quiet place to go for walks, ride bikes. On this day, I decided to take my dog for a walk there in the evening. I didn't want to go that far. For some reason, I decided to leave my phone at home, even though I usually take it with me, just in case. Everything was going well, and as usual, I barely met anyone. At some point, I got to my favorite spot, a wooded area. There is a field behind it, and I planned on walking all the way to the end. Then I wanted to turn around and take the same way home. As I continued walking after I made it through the wooded area, my dog started acting strange. She kept looking back and didn't want to go on. 
I thought she had spotted a deer or a rabbit and wasn't concerned. I didn't look around right away, but then she let out a little growl bark. I had never heard her do that before. I turn around and sure enough, there is a man standing on the edge of the wooded area field like maybe 10 meters next to the path. He was fully clothed and didn't move. He was just staring at us. My heart was pounding. No matter where I would go, I would still be in a secluded area for a while. I didn't think and just started walking quickly towards the end of the field. My dog still wasn't having it. When I turned around after getting a bit further away, he had also moved. Now he was standing on the field, still staring intensely. That's when I really knew we had to get going. I didn't look back until we got to the end of the field. Because of some trees, my view was obstructed. I couldn't see him and my dog seemed a bit calmer. Obviously, I didn't want to stop for more than a few seconds, though. From there on, I decided to take the, the path that would take me to some part of my town the quickest. We literally ran and I was so relieved when we made it back to civilization. I have no idea what his intention was. I'm just proud of my dog for alerting me. I work as a security guard on the graveyard shift. I think most guards have all gotten the heebie-jeebies a few times on this shift. I used to work at a large semi-well-known meat processing plant. I remember it was about 2 a.m. and I was making my inside rounds, and I was walking down the third floor hallway. The third floor is basically just a bunch of electrical access panels and storage rooms. There are a few offices up there, but for the most part, there's nothing special up there. So I'm going along checking that doorknobs are locked, etc. Making sure nothing looks broken, etc. Then my phone chimes. I'm like, who the F is messaging me this late? I pull out my phone and there's no message. I chalk it off as a notification for an app, but I don't see any notifications. Well, whatever, no big deal. Then about two minutes later, my radio turns on and I hear static. Now this spooks me. No one else has access to radio at this point. I'm the only living human on the entire property, and all the other radios are under lock and key inside my guard shack, also under lock and key. We wear a radio for formality, mostly. I can switch it to a different channel to talk with the one maintenance guy who's there, but he's not working this night, so it's like, hum, that's a little weird. I switch to that channel and I say, security to M4, are you there? M4 equals maintenance employee 4. There's three different guys that do it on a rotating schedule, but no reply. I hear the radio turn on again. This time it sounds like somebody is fumbling with the mic, but I can't hear any words. At this point I'm like, well F, guess I should go check it out. I make my way to the maintenance office. It's in the basement, the one place I don't like to go, because for one I always get weird feelings going down the stairs, and two, the entire basement is just a bunch of access tunnels and generators. It's pretty much a maze just beckoning to get you to be lost in. So I go down there, the whole time my radio is randomly turning on and shit. I get to the office, and as expected it's locked, lights are off, etc. I breathe a sigh of relief and turn to go, thinking he'll just write this down on the daily report as malfunctioning equipment. 
But as I start to almost walk around the turn in the hallway, I hear the sound of the maintenance door unlocking. I stop dead in my tracks and turn around. My heart is kind of beating harder at this point. I reach for my tase gun and ready it, aiming it out before me, while I go back to the office. Lights are still off. Can't see a damn thing in there. For a food five minutes I stand at the door questioning if this is worth it. Do I make enough for this kind of BS? What if there's a criminal in there? How would that even be possible? Did someone sneak up on me? Am I going to die in a minute? I finally said F it and pushed the door open and reached in and flipped on the lights. Nothing. No one is in there. I look under the desk, constantly on edge. I see nothing. I look at the desk surface, see if there's any notes, etc., but nothing. I start to sigh of relief, and then the lights suddenly turn off and the door locks itself. I freak the F out and switch on my mag light and swing around. As I'm swinging around, I see a shadow move away from the light. My eyes see it and mentally I freak the F out, but I force myself to ignore it while I fumble to get my keys out to unlock the door. To do so, I have to turn the flashlight off so I have both hands. The whole time I have my back turned to the door, I feel like I'm being watched by something sinister. I eventually get the door unlocked and step out into the hallway. I turn around, flip the lights on, see nothing, turn them off, shut the door and lock it. I look at my watch. It's like 2.30 a.m.-ish. I lean up against the hallway wall, breathing heavily. My mind replaying everything in my head trying to figure out what the F just happened. I eventually give up and hurriedly make my way back to the first floor. I get back to the first floor and at this point I have no desire to go back to the third floor. I can do it some other time. So I eventually make it to the exit and just before I walk out the door to go outside to my guard shack, the radio turns on and there's some static and I faintly hear someone laugh. Just a short like ha ha and then it's dead. I yank my radio out of my pocket clip and look at it. I go to turn on the mic to say like F you or something, but my radio's totally utterly dead. I read some of your Ouija board stories. I have one that I believe proves that these boards can become haunted. My father used to buy things from eBay, then sell it at their actual price. One day, he purchased an old Ouija board. Its box portrayed it as a game, fun for the whole family. None of my siblings played with it, though, and neither did I. Then a few days after the board arrived, weird things started to happen even though no one touched the board. It was on a shelf in the garage. One night, the first of many nights, I woke at 3.33 a.m. exactly. I woke up scared for no reason. No nightmare, just scared with a very bad feeling. I'd always just lay there awake, then turn over and try to go back to sleep. This first night, I turned over and tried to go back to sleep. But when I turned and laid my head on my pillow, I immediately heard a man's voice that said directly into the ear, Go back to sleep. I jumped up and woke my sister, who shared a room with me, I was crying and terribly scared. The voice wasn't my father's. No man another than my father lived with us. Another day at home, I was watching a movie alone. 
I paused the movie and took the remote with me to the bathroom. When I came back to disc was out and place on the table next to the TV. The disc drive on the Xbox was open and my room was tossed all over. It was a mess. Another time in the same house, I left the kitchen and heard something behind me. When I turned I saw a man in a red flannel shirt behind me, though I heard no doors open. I ran from him and turned back around and he was gone. My father soon sold the board and we moved soon after. I've had nothing weird or paranormal happen since. This story takes place during a rafting trip on the Deschutes River in central Oregon. My girlfriend and I had decided to drive down from the Seattle area for the famous Salmonfly Hatch. With that being said, due to the timing of the year, there's a ton of people on the water. Guides doing day trips, as well as other folks like my girlfriend, and I spending a couple days fishing, floating, and camping. Our first day of the trip goes by pretty poorly. I had a crappy boat and no idea what I was doing. Dry bags leaked, I hit a rock and got us a sizable leak and then had forgotten the bucket, so I spent the rest of the trip bailing out the boat with a water bottle non-stop. So needless to say, we're both pretty frustrated and tired, and as the day turns to dusk we're scouting out any possible spot to throw our tent up for the evening and get out of that crappy boat. Finally things are looking up for us, we come up on this beautiful stretch of water with a small island, diverting the river into two flows, with the main flow going along the deep left channel at a pretty good clip. On the right side bank a big clearing surrounded by tall grasses. This is where we chose to make camp for the night. We do some fishing, cook, and decide to lay down for bed and read until it's time to really go to sleep at full dark. Going out to take a leak nobody as far as I could see or hear had decided to camp anywhere near us and prior to a few boats floating on by while we set up camp as far as we knew, we were alone. That's when the music started. At first it sounded almost faintly like someone was throwing a rave with dance music and the like. My girlfriend and I looked at each other like, what the hell? But we chalked it up to the wind carrying sound from far away because at this point the music was still intermittent. It gets louder and louder and now we can make out the music, except it's not. You know that feeling when someone is blasting the bass out of their car subwoofers, and you can feel it in your chest and in your head. We're feeling there, whoever they are, music through the ground as we're trying to sleep, and all we can hear is this unworldly, jarring collection of disjointed bass or drum notes coming through the ground. It doesn't resemble any music I've ever heard, or even any sort of beat you could dance to. By midnight or 1am we're starting to getting really damn pissed off. It has been since around 10pm since they started, and so that's when I finally decide to go find whoever the hell they are and shut down that damn noise. I have one of those really powerful headlights that lets you output like 1-500 lumens for a short burst, and it really just lights up the whole damned countryside for hundreds of feet. So all pissed off, I jump out of the tent and turn up my headlight of doom, and I'm just furiously scanning everywhere I can see. Up and down the river, behind us as far as I can on our own bank, across clear to the other bank, and the little island in the middle. And there's not a single thing in sight. 
Complete pitch darkness. I turn off my headlight to see if I was washing out any light, and I stand there for about 10 minutes to see if my eyes adjust and see anything. Absolutely nothing at all, and this maddening noise is going on endlessly. At this point I realize it's the same three disjointed songs playing over and over endlessly. My girlfriend starts crying because she's exhausted from the bass rattling our skulls while our heads on laying down on our pillows. We're unable to sleep for hours as this thing continues on through the night. Finally, sometime around 4.35 a.m., it must have stopped and we both drifted off to sleep. I have a hard time sleeping and so I woke up by myself at around 6.37 and I roll out of bed furious, once more just going out to go see if I can find whatever bastards were making that noise all night long. We never saw or found any sign of those people. We waited until about 9 a.m. slowly breaking camp after eating breakfast before we rode out in the main current and back road to try to get a good look at the other side of the small island, and we saw no signs of people. The only reasonable theory we have is that sometime after we went to bed, some folks floated down to the far side of the little island and threw some sort of party ritual all through the night and somehow slipped out between 4.30 and 6.30 a.m. If I wasn't with my girlfriend and she hadn't corroborated as well, I would have thought I was going insane. Just one long, maddening, sleepless night full of the same noise over and over, with no evidence before, during, or after that it ever happened. I was at a summer camp that separated boys from the girls. We would normally sleep in separate cabins, however this being a nice night, our counselors decided it would be nice to camp outside. Being overly tested in high schoolers given new freedom of the outdoors, we decided to separate from our supervision and beeline for the girls' campsite. Upon successfully reaching their site and being dumbfounded at what to do, we decided that throwing miscellaneous items into the fire, creating subsequent explosions, would be a good icebreaker. Unfortunately, due to our brilliance, we were quickly brought back to our camp and separated from the girls. Not being discouraged, we decided to regroup and try again. As we began to leave for their site again, we heard an extremely loud bang, as if from a high-caliber rifle. The sound was followed by another bang, followed by silence. We all became paralyzed, unsure what to do. Was it from the girls' sight? We were too afraid to find out. We could see a flashlight in the distance mulling around the area. I only remember lying quietly, barely able to sleep, joking with fellow campers who would get shot first if that bang was indeed from a gun. The next morning we woke up, alive and very confused to what had happened. I actually only found out what had happened when I got home from camp. A man had shot his ex at a house right by the campsite we were staying that night. What stood out to me the most, other than aforementioned, was an interview with a neighbor who didn't call the police right away, because she figured the sound was from some stupid kids blowing up things at a campsite. I led a small expedition of 12 Marines, tasked with recovering a downed aircraft rumored to have encountered a massive, unknown sea creature. It was a mission shrouded in mystery, 
and our team was a mix of experienced soldiers and unique individuals. One such individual was Jack, a fellow Marine who, in his free time, embraced his love for gambling and dabbled in the world of acting. We descended into the depths, our hearts pounding with anticipation. The murky waters swallowed us whole, enveloping us in a realm where light struggled to penetrate. We maneuvered cautiously, scanning the underwater landscape, until our eyes widened in disbelief. There it was a sunken aircraft resting on the ocean floor. As we swam closer to investigate, the sense of danger grew palpable. Suddenly, without warning, a colossal aquatic predator materialized before us. Its sheer size defied all logic, dwarfing even the wreckage of the downed aircraft. The beast's enormous jaws gaped wide, revealing rows of razor-sharp teeth that gleamed menacingly in the dim light. Panic and chaos ensued as the creature lunged towards us, its fury unleashed. The water churned with violence as we fought desperately to survive. Harpoons were thrown with precision, aiming for vulnerable spots, while gunfire echoed through the depths. Jack, with his quick thinking, managed to shoot the creature directly in its eyes, momentarily stunning it. Exploiting the creature's temporary vulnerability, we launched our final assault. Grenades were hurled with deadly accuracy, finding their mark in the creature's gaping maw. The water erupted in a cataclysmic explosion as the beast thrashed in its death throes. It was a battle of survival, a fight against an ancient leviathan that threatened to unleash chaos upon the world. But victory came at a devastating cost. Ten of my comrades, brave marines who had faced the unimaginable with unwavering resolve, met their untimely end in the jaws of the creature. Only Jack and I emerged from the depths, battered but alive. As we floated in the water, a mixture of relief and sorrow washed over us. The beast that had haunted us had been vanquished, but the sacrifice of our fallen comrades would forever weigh heavy on our hearts. We resurfaced, the sun welcoming us back into its warm embrace. The ocean, once a serene backdrop, now held the memories of a battle fought and lives lost. With the mission complete, we returned to our base, determined to honor the fallen.